The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this. I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And, uh, yeah, right there at the top of the page, you'll see that there's two videos. The one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you missed that, you can play that up until 3 o'clock today, at which time he'll be live in that little area. And then on the right side is where we're streaming live. So just click on the play button, enlarge it on whatever device you've got, and then click on the Rumble icon and join us in the chat. Also, we are streaming to Rumble. So if you're over on Rumble and you want to check us out there, Sons of Liberty Radio Live is where you want to subscribe. And we appreciate your support in that. Also on DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty, Twitch at Setting Brushfires. And if you've got a um, 
Roku device we're on over there on Cutting Edge TV, as well as Before It's News, top of, uh, dot com, top of the page there, Before It's News dot com. And uh, we appreciate Michael giving us a spot up there as well. Uh, right under where we're streaming is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Please be sure to do that. And then if you want our weekly ministry email, you get you know what's going on in the ministry, uh, Bradley's email of the week or article of the week, and then also whatever product we're putting on special from our store, which you can get to from Sons of Liberty Media as well. This week we're highlighting Grass Doesn't Work, The Rocks Do. This is Bradley's book. It's normally a donation of $11. This week through Saturday night at midnight, you can get the book for uh, 25% off by using the promo code GRASS. It's very simple. Okay, GRASS, get the promo code, and you get 25% off, and that's through uh, Saturday at midnight. Also, if you'd like to support us in what we do, you agree with our message, there's a donate button at the top of sonslibertymedia.com where you can make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys as well, all of you. Uh, even if you don't donate, some of you pray for us, some of you encourage, you come in every week or every day, every week. And uh, we appreciate that as much, uh, very much as well. I told you guys, I, I do feel like uh, many times it's not necessarily the same thing, but there's a... Uh, kindred spirit in the uh, chat and so you know it's it's like we're having the assembly right here right uh each morning when we come together uh, a couple of headlines before we bring our guest on this morning and then i've got a little music video you're gonna like this <laughs> it's, it's i watched it and i thought who are these people that they're so clever to come up with this stuff i just i don't get it because i don't sit around thinking oh how can i make a song about whatever's going on or how can i yeah, you know, whatever. Do a skit or something. I just I don't do that. But uh, some people are very creative in that. I'm going to share that with you in just a minute. Uh, money in the state, how you're being enslaved by a corrupt monetary system. This one is I've loaded this up with a lot of information. There's a two minute or so video from the Mises Institute on here showing you how the money systems worked with the uh, with the government. And then there's I don't know. I probably got a dozen videos down through there that you can check out that will elaborate more on that. So if you're if you're having a hard time understanding or getting a handle, and that's in every little detail, but getting a handle on why we're so in debt and how our system works, uh, check that out. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Also, Bill Gates, he's come up with something. Check it out. He calls it Germ. <laughs> it stands for Global Epidemic Response and Mobilization Team. Okay, this is his new, and these are his words, not mine, permanent, fully paid and prepared organization of experts who will respond to dangerous outbreaks. And yet on his site, he says, let's make this the last pandemic. But he's gearing up for more of them, isn't he? Yep, that's right, because they're not going to let up because they haven't been brought to justice. And as soon as you bring people like Bill Gates Teddy, uh, terrorist Teddy from the, the World Health Organization and others like them, as soon as you bring them to justice, this stuff will stop. It will. But you've got to bring them to justice. And this is why we talk about it in the United States. I tell people, go to tacticalcivics.com, learn the civic duty of us, the people. Uh, we are the law enforcers. If we get that down and we start doing it, guys, we ain't going to need people to say defund the police because we are the police, the constitutional police. Right? We're the ones to enforce the law. Uh, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Walgreens' own data inadvertently admits the COVID shots don't work. <laughs> Imagine that. Two and, it took them two and a half years to do it, but okay, at least they're getting on with it. They were informed, too. Their CEOs were informed that they were deadly, and their people were not giving informed consent, too. So all those CEOs for Walgreens and CVS have been notified 
They're going to be on those Nuremberg 2.0 things too, okay? A jury finds cops at fault for failing to stop fellow cops from beating an innocent teen unconscious. Good. See if the guys who are charged with upholding the law, and again, I don't see them as constitutional, but they're charged with upholding the law. They don't get to get away with uh, violating the law. They just don't. And it's the people who have to hold them accountable. SonsLibertyMedia.com, last one. When the government plays God, the slippery slope from abortions to executions. And that's, that's kind of where we're at. Everybody's getting caught up in the Roe v. Wade thing. Guys, let me just inform you something. That was a draft that, went, that got, quote-unquote, leaked. It wasn't leaked. Somebody is purposely put out there. And second of all, it's not a definitive decision, and it's from February. <laughs> I mean, it's from February. Everybody getting caught up in that. Yeah, we have some writers write on it and all that, but everybody get caught up on it. Okay, so you guys know I had Dr. Michael Roth on, and it was one of those moments in the morning where you're trying to pronounce a word that you know, you know it, but your brain doesn't engage with your eyes. Remember that? And so I formed Anna and Tommy from Anatomy. <laughs> and uh, this little thing that I found, this little video uh, kind of plays off of the old Pat Benatar song, right? And uh, what's interesting is I think Anna and Tommy are in this. Now, you guys on the radio, you're not going to see it, but you are going to hear it. You guys in the uh, chat, you're going to love this. Here it is. It's called uh, Hit Me With Your Death Shot. Okay. Hello. I'm Bill Gates. Maybe something like this.
Okay. All right. You guys get it. Uh, you know, just a little, I don't know, comedy relief or whatever. But it, it, what's happening there isn't funny. It isn't funny. I, I, the fact that they're selling these sorceries to people that's killing them, that's, that's injuring their bodies, is not a laughing matter. It really isn't. Now, there's some guys who are very clever here, um, but, but uh, this, this is by Media Bear. And uh, yeah, Anna and Tommy, I, that's what I thought of. And that's why I said, oh, I'll share it with you guys in the morning here uh, because of uh, uh, the guys there, the, the little skeletons playing their guitars or whatever. Anyway, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, with that said, we're going to be uh, picking up again from earlier in the week on the issue of gardening. And we're going to move into some of the stuff about growing food and herbs that are good for health and healing. And to help me do that is my friend David Pruitt from the MiracleSav.com. Good morning, David. How are you, man? Blessed morning, brother. I'm blessed. Yep. And you sound a lot better than the other day. You sound like you're just wore out. And I was just like, man, go, go lay down. <laughs> you go to bed, get some rest. Because sometimes that's just the way God teaches us that we're not him is to say, hey, you need to lay down and be still for a little bit. And uh, and sometimes and that's and that's good. And I'm glad you're feeling a lot better. Now, we got a lot of stuff going on because we covered quite a bit on Monday and gar and just gardening, setting it up. Uh, getting a plan for how we're you're going to do those kinds of things, and again, all of this I want to remind people: all of this does go back to the Bible. It really does. It goes back in our history. You know, we were uh, for for centuries. A lot of people were nothing but farmers. Practically, that was their life. They grew their own food. Uh, they might have had something on the side, but largely they farmed and they had a plot of land and they were happy to have that. Uh, we go back in the Bible; it was largely this agricultural uh, center that that permeated what Scripture teaches. And you were talking about that the other day. If you haven't actually done any gardening, if you haven't grown any of these things, if you haven't done some of these things, it's a little bit harder to grasp what's being said, especially the, some of the parables that Jesus gives. Most people can get them, but I think it takes on a whole new meaning when you've actually done it. You can see what he's talking about. And the same thing begins in the beginning. God created what? He created man, and then he planted a garden, and he put man in the garden, Genesis chapter 2. And uh, so that's real, really where we're coming to. And I've told people before, even when he gives his law, he says, I'm putting before you life and death. Choose life. And part of that life is even the things that they were taking into their bodies. Uh, while we as a culture, we, have, we not only take in those things that God has given us, we take in things that aren't even necessarily... Couldn't really, I mean, if you got technical about it, couldn't even be considered food. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about that. Um, what kind of things are we looking at in our garden as we prepare for the future for that will keep us in good health and be used if we if we do get sick, if we do get cuts, if we do get wounds or any kinds of things like this, what can we grow in our gardens to help us with that? So there is there is actually a very, very useful book. I'm in the, I'm in the midst of reading it, but thus far I've, I've gone through it once and I'm going through it again. It's the big book of backyard medicine. Um, this not only tells you, sorry, I got the light in there. Um, this not only tells you how, um, herbs are used, but how they're, um, how they were traditionally used. Um, all the research, reference material, everything on them, um, preparation. And what Joseph, was the name of that? The Big Book of Backyard Medicine. 
And this particular one was recommended a treasure trove of herbal knowledge and understanding. Excuse me. From Permaculture Magazine. Um, wonderful book. This is probably, this is a little bit more advanced. I have another one. I think it's called, oh, I have it here. I don't think I've got it here. There's another one. It's called Backyard Apothecary, I think is what it's called. Um, and it's a small um, book on just a number of uh, herbal remedies and things like that. But what we need to think about is not just one type of plant, not just having, you know, just famine food, potatoes, eggs, and like onions. That's what some people are. That's all. I've talked to some people that they are only growing corn, potatoes, and uh, onions. That's literally all that they're interested in. Hey, more power to them. But think about things that are going to take time to establish fruit trees, um, asparagus, perennial crops, And then also think about things that you're going to be using for um, liquid fertilizers like comfrey, like uh, Jerusalem artichokes you can use for that. Um, Jerusalem artichokes also are a wonderful uh, crop to be growing for the roots. The roots taste delicious. They taste just like potatoes when they're fried up in 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 a pan. They've got inulin in them. They're supposed to be a great alternative to potatoes for diabetics. They are almost invasive. They are easy to harvest. They, you know, on and on and on. Um, So Jerusalem artichokes are wonderful. Um, Comfrey is probably one of the things that is the easiest to propagate, but very few people propagate it at all. Most people just let it sit there and. They don't ever dig it up. They don't ever take cuttings off the, you know, root fragments and propagate those to exponentially multiply. Now, things like comfrey can be used from uh, for broken bones. You can make poultices out of it. You can make oil infused with it. Um, historically, it was used for like broken bones and things like that. Now, I'm not a doctor. I can't recommend diagnose, treat, prevent, cure any disease. But I actually marked. Um, I marked comfrey. Here is in that book, the big book of backyard medicine um, by Julie Bruton Seal and Matthew Seal. Um, And let me just read you. There's a, um, this is how it starts. And I kind of want you to, to hear it out so we can have a discussion about comfrey's like probably one of the, those, uh, it's one of those herbs that people either love it or hate it in their garden because they think it's invasive. That can be a benefit when you need a lot of it. Okay. So, um, comforting's old name of knit bone refers to its strong healing action of broken bones. It will also knit flesh together, speeding the healing of wounds applied as a poultice or ointment. It can be used to treat bruises, dislocations, and sprains despite much controversy, comfrey is safe if correct guidelines are followed. Um, and it's got um, cautions, it's got all kinds of stuff. And then there's also two different types. When I'm talking about comfrey today, I'm, I'm normally talking about Russian comfrey. Bocking 14 is the uh, also known as uh, rough comfrey. And then there's also common comfrey. Um, 
when I'm normally talking about it, I'm talking about the Russian specifically because that is a more cold hardy variety. And that seems to be the one that myself and all, all my friends tend to propagate. Now, um, something that I would say is that if you're looking for perennials that will give you some production, maybe not much, and especially this time of the year, maybe not a ton, but if you were to get a first year planting on like uh, thornless blackberries, thornless uh, raspberries, blueberries, uh, you know, sea buckthorn, thornless sea buckthorn, um, those kind of things will give you a good harvest. And you want a lot of superfood stuff. Elderberry is something very easy to propagate. Wonderful plant. Um, you can. You also want to be propagating your nitrogen fixers, like we talked about last time. There are types of trees and shrubs that actually take nitrogen out of the atmosphere and put it into the soil. So they're like having a, it's like having a little fertilizer factory right there with your other plants. So that's why we, we do a lot of beneficial planting and companion planting. Now, as far as companion planting goes, this is the definitive guide as far as I, ooh, sorry. Oh, this is the definitive guide as far as companion planting goes. And it'll, it'll give you some uh, carrots, love tomatoes, and roses, love garlic. This is two books in one. Um, and I, uh, I have to say that I probably refer to my companion planting books the most for reference material out of gardening stuff. Cause once you learn a lot of this, you're not going to be needing to, uh, you know, once you know that, um, carrots love tomatoes, you don't really have to go refer to the book that often. It's normally things that you're, you're unsure of that you're going to have to go and refer to. And so David, let, let me, let me ask something here about what you're saying. So, with all this talk about all fertilizer factories going down, this, that, and the other, you're basically saying between composting and planting some of these nitrogen-grabbing plants around, most people wouldn't even need any of the fertilizer that's well, done, right? So the, the book that we talked about last time, that Jadam book, that, uh, that orange one, yep. I don't have it. He, that book actually talks about using – so the comfrey is not a nitrogen – fixing plant it's actually what we would call a bioaccumulator so it accumulates a ton of nutritional value and you can take the leaves and you can either do what's called chop and drop where you cut them and you just leave them like a mulch and they decompose down and they they feed the soil or you can take and you can cut them you can put those green leaves into a bucket fill it halfway full of leaves or depending on how you're setting it up halfway full of leaves throw some leaf mold or some compost into that um, as an activator, add a small amount of unrefined salt, and you can make your own um, liquid fertilizer that way. And it takes a little bit to compost back down, but that's why comfrey is considered such an essential part in permaculture. Um, and you can make a, out of the Jerusalem artichokes, the tops of them, you can cut those down and you can ferment those down also to make not only a liquid fertilizer, 
but it's a liquid fertilizer and a um, organic pesticide. Okay. All right. And that book goes into it um, a lot more in depth. Um, also, Jadam has free classes online, like college um, college lectures that you can go learn how to make all the inputs yourself. Um, now, some of the things like the sulfur and stuff, you need the raw sulfur. But once you have the raw sulfur and the raw ingredients, you can make a huge amount. And that, like, you know, 10 gallons, that'll go a lot further than you think. Um, so that's one option. Okay. And then the the nitrogen fixing plants are only part of the uh so what we're looking for is we're looking for nitrogen fixing plants and bioaccumulators to be able to so like comfrey and like mimosa is a is a nitrogen fixer. Um redbud is a nitrogen fixer. Peas are a nitrogen fixing uh crop. Uh soybeans nitrogen fixing crop. Is that starting to make sense? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of because some of the news that's been out here recently have talked about this this issue with fertilizer companies not doing it, and I'm sitting here thinking, well, you're you're giving a solution here uh, for that kind of stuff where people are looking for that. Of course, my dad, I, I think when maybe when I was younger, uh, he used a little bit of fertilizer or something like that, but mostly it was he would have people come in bring what they called black gold in, um, a lot of leaves and cow manure and stuff like that and they would pour it out they would spread it out on the garden and as they did that um that was what was there to to kind of treat the soil get it ready get it kind of rich and stuff and uh, and that's what he used but uh but i i just see that as an answer to some of this some of the problems that they're putting on us uh the food shortages and stuff we can fix that by growing our own food the fertilizer thing is well we can pay attention to what you're saying about compost and these these nitrogen you know, grabbing kind of plants. Well, and part of part of the issue that I think we need to discuss is that if it's and and bringing in black gold compost, that that is one option. You know, there are multiple there are multiple options for how you want to feed the soil. Okay, the reason I like this is he's got multiple types of inputs. Um, and I, I had to go get this, so forgive me for having to walk away. That's okay. From a, yeah, so um, I'm going to read out of the table contents because it'll save us some time. And I'm recommending this organization, Jadam, because I think that I think that it's noble to to take all of your hard earned research and then sell a book, but once you have the book and the knowledge and they give away the information for free online. So it's not like you have to go buy the book. Do you see what I'm saying? And I think that we yep. should, we should um, in, encourage more people to get into making our own inputs because so they've got um, down here, making organic farming inputs. They've got, um, Jadam mineral water. They've got uh, they've got a DIY advanced irrigation system, a DIY elect electric power distribution board. Jadam microorganism solution, which is really funny. It's basically just potatoes and some sea salt in filtered water. Um, the microorganism medium using grains. 
So you can use rice to propagate up even more microorganisms. Uh, Customized microorganism medium, Jadam liquid fertilizer, JLF. That's uh, what I was talking about Like uh, for the comfort. You can actually take grass trimmings and you can do the same thing. Um, customized Jadam liquid fertilizer. So he tells you how to customize the fertilizers based on what you're dealing with. So you can get really into this. Um, here's uh, food waste Jadam liquid fertilizer, human manure Jadam liquid fertilizer. Uh, because remember, most of the uh, chemical fertilizers on the market, they use urea to get nitrogen. And urea is just pee. It's made from pee. So, um, so we've got natural calcium phosphate jadam liquid fertilizer, natural calcium jadam liquid fertilizer, natural potassium jadam liquid fertilizer. Uh, so, I mean, you've just got a ton of, and, and that's not even all of them, man. They've got another two pages or another page of inputs. So, you know, this is just the table of contents. What is it worth to be able to make your own fertilizers for pennies on the dollar? And that's why I, I always come back to this book. If someone is serious about making their own inputs and everything, this is the way to go. If you're not interested in making them, then you can go buy them. You can go buy, you know, Dr. Bronner's soap you can go, or some kind of agricultural use soap. Um, you can go and order all that stuff. You don't have to make it yourself. It's just that's an option for someone. Someone could go out, make all these things, and then bottle them up and then supply a whole region. And it wouldn't take very much time, money, energy. It, it can all be done very low cost, low, low tech. And, you know, he also has a sulfur recipe in here that has no... Um, no external heat needed which is revolutionary in a lot of ways he was brought in to deal with the coffee borer problem um, in Hawaii he helped, uh, he helped save the uh, Hawaiian organic coffee you know that's this you were making mention of sulfur this is what Mr. Words, Words, uh, Wordsworth was inputting sulfur can help lower the pH in the soil if it's too high and he says uh, dolomite, lime, and soluble calcium can raise a pH, a low pH in the soil as well. Thank you, Mr. Wordsworth. We appreciate that uh, that input there. Um, <clears throat> well, obviously, we want to help people give them the information to where they can do it themselves, and then they can determine how much they're going to do by themselves. And you know, if people are just starting out, then maybe they want to do, they want to learn to do it, but they're going to go ahead and get the stuff that's ready. And do that now and then be ready for later. And that's that's part of what uh, the education process is, is so people can pick up on whatever they can pick up on, do that, and then add to it. I think that's the way, um, you know, education works as you're learning, you're putting that into practice, and then you add on to it as you're as you're going along. Well, so you see the, the sulfur that I'm talking about in here, the Jadam sulfur solution is for an antifungal. Um, it's for like spraying your apple trees and stuff like that. It's uh, it's to deal with fungus and a lot of problems. That that is the easiest way to deal with it. And as a as a mineral solution, I don't really have a problem using sulfur. The problem I have with people using sulfur is when they're uh, when there's a lot of synthetic additives, 
Um, in a lot of these commercially available sulfurs, there are all kinds of additives, uh, wetting agents that have synthetic uh, uh, foaming. Uh, I can't, oh, like in, in a lot of the synthetic soaps, you know what I'm talking about, the uh, sulfates and things like that. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, that's uh, the other thing I like about this is he tells you how to make your own liquid soap for agricultural use. You can use it to wash your clothes. You can use it for everything. Um, I just really like there is not not a better book with for the amount of money you pay. You're going to spend I I don't know how much the book costs now because it was a gift. Yeah, it's for about me. thirty. It's about thirty five dollars or so I think. It's thirty-eight. But it's one. It's yep. the first gallon. Okay, that sulfur that he makes in there. I I think about five years ago was the last time I bought a gallon of it, and it was about a hundred dollars for a gallon of it. Wow! You could for dollars, you could probably make ten gallons of the stuff. I'm I'm assuming. Um. Based on you know, I'm just rough estimate and the cost of goods these days. You know, that's I might be overestimating. You might be able to make fifty gallons for that much. Um, it's it's a huge savings, and you're able to create a huge amount of um, value out of that. And think about what is the man worth who can trade you organic fertilizer, and not only trade you the fertilizer, but tell you how to apply it and everything. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt that that the knowledge is power, and it it is a bargaining chip that you have when when these things come about. That uh, you're in, when your friends are in need, when your neighbors are in need, you guys have something you can supply each other with. Well, and you see, that's part of the you know we we haven't will go into the community side of things in the future, but you know, and that's part of that really is part of what we need to think about is like what what is your value that you bring to the table you know if you're um we all we all have our skills we all have our you know advantages disadvantages you know some people suck at sewing other people rocket sewing some people suck at processing food some people rocket processing food and what you need to be able to do is be able to look at things as a uh as a realist and, and be able to say, well, what do I honestly bring to the table? Well, if you can bring fertilizer to the table, food growing knowledge to the table, I will tell you that the individual who grows all the food, everybody's got to eat. Okay. Doctors and stuff like that. They're appreciated when they are needed. Farmers very rarely get appreciated. Because there's a disconnect in our in our society. Think about it. How many people go to the grocery store, they buy whatever they buy, they go home, they don't even think about who grew the stuff. They don't even think about where it was grown or how it was grown. Oh, that's absolutely right. And they and they, they do a thing like they do with uh you know, when you go in a casino, you go in the grocery store and there's no windows, there's no available exits except for the one that you came in. And uh, they're, you're in there to walk down all their aisles and get all their stuff. And you never you never see how things are made. You know, they, I, I heard the one guy say, if you ever see how sausage is made or something like that, you'll never want to eat it again or something. But uh, that you never see how any you just see 
and again, I've made reference to this uh, interview that I saw. I think it was up in New York where the lady was just, she was asked about how did the potatoes get into the grocery store? I don't know. A truck brings them. And and that's as far as her mind could go. She she never thought apparently about farming, about how potatoes are grown in the ground. They have to be harvested. And I mean, it's pretty incredible that there are people in the world who never who would never give that a thought. It's because they they are they're disconnected from that. And I think that's I think that's on purpose. I really do. I think that's on purpose. I I do too. And I think that part of when we talk about building community and like helping people out in our community and everything is like, think about this. Not only do you need to get things like this going for yourself, but uh, who's going to supply all your friends, those that you care about who may not be coming to your house in a worst case scenario, but they may be dependent on you to be able to provide perennial plants and things like that to get um, their own stuff going. And think about this. How many people are you going to be feeding who don't have the ability, you know, it's their first year gardener. They got their doomsday survival seed vault out of storage and they think that they've got enough to actually grow a food forest. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So what That's are, what, what are some things you, you're talking about these things here and, and we kind of hit on it the other day because we were talking about preparing the soil and things. And by the way, let's just throw in something here. From scripture, from that, when Jesus talks about the parable of the sower, what what is the difference between all of the different kinds of soils? How the soil's been prepared? You either have hard, stony. You got some with um, you know weeds and thorns that come. You got rocky soil. You got the ones on the beaten path. But it's that one, the good soil. It's been tilled up by the law of God. The law of God comes in and it it breaks up that fallow ground and it makes it ready to receive the word, uh, as as Jesus points out. And the same thing you're talking about here is you're getting the ground ready to receive the seeds so that they can produce. And again, this might be one of those things that people would would learn even better if they had had done gardening and things of that nature, they would get it even more of the communication of what Jesus is, is teaching there. So we've talked about preparing the ground a lot and doing that. What are some of these things? You, you talked about comfrey last time. You mentioned that today. What are some other things that can be used? And I want to get away from the term medicine because I looked at it and I saw the definition is tied with sorcery, with uh, magic and all that. So I'm thinking of, you know, what can we do that, that would help to bring healing or treatment for wounds, cuts, different forms of sicknesses. And again, we're not doctors. We're trying to give people information uh, as to what can what can be used. And then it's up to them to, to do with the information what they want to do. But what are some of those things that we can be looking at besides comfrey uh, that, that we can plant alongside the, the food that we're going to eat? Uh, what are some of those things that we could do? Probably one of my most used spices, uh, medicinal spices, whatever you want to call it. Um, some people call them healing herbs. Um, I use a lot of cayenne. Um, I use a lot of cayenne. And the reason I use a lot of cayenne is it's great for stopping bleeding. You know, you start to get a little sniffle or whatever. You take a... Uh, well, and I'm not a doctor. I can't re- recommend, diagnose, treat, prevent, cure any disease. Um, and this is what I do. I'm not telling you to do it. But you can take like a teaspoon of cayenne, put that in water, mix that up, down that. And that seems to get a lot of uh, 
deal with a lot of problems or if you catch it early on, you know, when you first start not feeling great. Um, cayenne is one of those things. I highly recommend people grow it. Um, it's great to have to stop bleeding. It's, it really is an amazingly powerful herb. Um, so that's one thing. Chai is another thing. Um, you know, a lot of medicinal teas and stuff like that. Um, even stress relief. Think about stress relief after things go bad. You know, also think about comfort items. You know, stevia is a natural sweetener. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to be growing a garden, it's not that hard to grow an extra couple of plants to be able to grow a sweetener that's easy to use, you know, because think about this. A lot of people, you know, they drink coffee. Okay. What are you going to replace? That's a habit. That's, that's something that you've gotten used to doing. What are you going to replace that with if you can't store enough coffee to be able to actually uh, enjoy coffee every day for the next however long it's going to be? So um, chai is one of those, uh, you know, C-H-I-A, chia is how some people pronounce it, but chai, um, you can grow those plants. The leaves make good tea and the seeds are wonderful, wonderful superfood. Um, now, some other things that you can, uh, that you don't necessarily need to grow, but they're easy to harvest is mullein is, uh, is great for lung problems, um, issues like that. Um, another really, really powerful one that we've used quite a bit is plantain. Plantain can have a poultice made out of it, helps the pain relief, that kind of thing. Um, plantain and comfrey. I've, uh, I've spoken to individuals who've used those two in combination to make poultices out of it. It works wonderfully. Um, garlic is another thing, you know, that's a perennial crop. Um, and it, it takes time to establish and you got to grow a lot of garlic to be able to produce enough to be able to use it every day. Um, if you're someone like us who uses a ton of garlic, like we are every year, we're doubling the amount of garlic we grow. Um, onions, you know, onions have very high, uh, high amounts of uh, plant sulfur in them. Plant sulfur is very important to the body. Um, you know, there's, You also definitely want to look into things like uh, asparagus, like we talked about last time, because those are very high nutritional density foods. Um, uh, sea buckthorn is, I believe, is a nitrogen fixer, actually. And the sea buckthorn also has berries. You can get thornless varieties, but they have berries that are like a superfood, like goji berries. Uh, you can get things like that and learn how to propagate those. Uh, blueberries. Um, all, all these different types of berries and things, bronze fennel makes an amazing medicinal tea. Um, and it's very hardy. It'll come back year after year. And it also attracts beneficial wasps. Um, we, we have a couple of those we've been planting different places. Uh, marigolds are not only useful as a, uh, as a, um, sacrificial plant that a lot of uh, rodents and things like that will eat that and then not feel so great later. But um, the marigolds also can be made into a tea. There's actually a uh, book. Uh, I think it's over there. I'll, I'll go get it in a minute um, on medicinal teas and how to prepare them and everything. One of my favorite plants that no one ever talks about, and I just I feel like it doesn't get enough love, 
is actually yard-long beans. They're also known as asparagus beans. They get fairly large. Um, the vines grow very, very fast. Um, some people actually get scared by how fast they grow. Um, but they, they taste like asparagus, but they're like a green bean. They're, you know, they're pretty good size. And uh, those are probably one of my favorite summer crops because I eat them every day. They're just amazing. Now, the David, they, they, there's a couple, there's a couple of questions. Uh, one lady asks, uh, Sherry asks about how about ginger root? Hmm. There are different types of ginger. Okay. Um, normal. So there are types of ginger that will grow that are cultivator, cultivator varieties that will grow in everything in certain parts of the U S perennially. If you are willing to grow it in a pot and bring it inside, you can grow it pretty much anywhere in the country. Um, there's also a type of ginger. I don't know if it's in this book. I can look it up. It's called myoga ginger. I can go get, um, I can go get my, uh, my notebook if someone would like, but myoga ginger is, uh, I know that there is a nursery in New York state that is growing it currently. And I'm trying to get a coupon code together for a perennial nursery for your listeners. I just have not been able to lock lock one in yet okay all right we've got it we've got another one uh carol ann says she didn't know wasps were beneficial what's the benefit can you and can you enlighten us on what the benefit of wasps are um so there are beneficial insects and there are non-beneficial insects what i tend to do is um i want nature to work with me i don't want to be trying to fight the whole system that that our heavenly father has put in place. So if you'll wait one second, I will go get, um, and I will show you a picture of what certain beneficial wasps look like. Just give okay. me one. Sure. Yep. Yep. We'll let him, we'll let him run off of there and do his thing and get that. You guys got some, some great points here. It's good to have a lot of different input. I'm seeing some of the other things and, uh, hopefully David can hear me while I'm saying this. Cause I think his bookshelf is right nearby. Um, <clears throat> wild plantain. I think, I'm not sure, but uh, I think part of that, uh, you would maybe have some of the same properties. I'll let David speak to that. Hallett's mentioning that on Rumble. And um, uh, the stevia, you know, uh, Caroline, I'll, I'll tell you, my wife, she gets, uh, my brother, he does lawn care and retaining walls and all this kind of stuff. So he has a lot of leftover products afterwards. So he gets those big, uh, and you can usually buy them, I think, for four or five bucks for the big ones. Those retaining wall blocks that, you know, they have the holes in them. And then we make like a, she plants a thing back here in the backyard. And then we put those around and she puts soil in there and she grows, grows a lot of her herbs and things in that. And I think she grows stevie out there. She grows mint tea, um, several different little things that she grows out there. I can't think of all of it. And then, of course, she's got stuff growing in the windows, too. But that's the way she does it. Um, she just puts it in one of those uh, retaining wall blocks, fills it with the soil that she needs, and then does the other. Um, and we've got a name about an asparagus bean. I, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to ask David when he comes back. This is the thing about you do the live radio and then something new comes up and, and it's okay. We want to, we want people to have answers to the questions that they have. I'll ask him, Jennifer, when he comes back about the issue of asparagus bean. Um, 
Yep, you can, you can, you probably can, or you may have some neighbors or some friends who actually grow stevia. And, uh, yeah, my kids, uh, they love that. In fact, when they have, uh, if they're not feeling well, like a little bit on their stomach, some of them used to go out there and pinch off some of those mint leaves and make their own tea with it. So that was really good. Uh, and we, whenever I can find the, the teas that are the herbal teas and stuff, uh, down here at the scratch and dent. If you if you guys, this is something too. Now this is not specific on this subject, but when you're dealing with prepping and stuff, uh, one of the things is is if you can find like a scratch and dent store around you, you usually can save a lot, a lot, a lot of money. You really can. Um, <clears throat> so keep that in mind. Be on the lookout. Do a do an internet search. Sometimes you can find a scratch and dent store. Uh, sometimes they. Some of them refer to themselves as a thrift store, although that has a different connotation for me of clothing and old items and stuff like that. But um, you can find that, and often you can go in and you can find you can find junk in there too. But you can find some of those those herbal teas at really really good prices, like a buck for a box of them. Um, and I would go in there and get like the roasted dandelion root, uh, which I like, and I think it's good for your digestive system as well. And then there's just a number of them that, that we picked up just down the road from us. Um, and of course, ours actually has some other good things too, like some full ribeyes where you can buy them and cut them up, which I did um, because I wanted to do that for Mother's Day. So that was my big splurge, if you will, uh, <laughs> of money. Uh, but even at that, it was cheaper than buying it in the store. I mean, my goodness, I think they wanted... About fourteen or fifteen dollars a pound. This stuff was nine ninety nine a pound, but you bought it as a big thing. You you slice it up. So David's back with us. What did you, what do you got for us, man? Okay, so I'm I'm going to make this as simple as possible. So there are beneficial insects. There are non beneficial insects. There's a huge amount of them that you need to learn about. But these little field guides. This is laminated on this side. It says too good or too bad garden bugs. This one is too good. These are all the beneficial ones. And you'll go, this is uh, the good side. You'll look up, where's wasps? Here's one type of wasp that's beneficial. And it says that it eats alfalfa we weevils. Here's another one. It eats army worms, or it uh, preys on army worms, cabbage worms, horn worms, insects, and moths. Well, you see, you want you want certain plants will attract like the bronze fennel will attract beneficial insects like that. And they will actually lay eggs on the tomato hornworms and you'll see them on the back of them. It'll look really, really crazy. Um, and what I do is I let the, then the wasp eats the tomato hornworm and I don't have to deal with it. You see, if I can get something else to do the work for me, See, God's way is easy. His burden or his yoke is light and his burden's easy or his yoke is easy and his burden's light. Wow. Needs yeah. more coffee. Then. <laughs> but so the that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about beneficial insects is I'm talking about it from a perspective of I want everything to work together to get the maximum efficiency like we talked about earlier on in the prepping 101 series we talked about systems 
So systems are important. And the reason systems are important is you've got to look at how everything works together. You know, um, like if it was a clothing thing, how is your belt going to interface with your pants? That's a system thing, you know, and then how are your, um, how are your pants going to interface with your boots? How's everything going to work together? Okay. And that's what things like this, this is nice because it being laminated, I can take this with my garden planner out to the garden and it's not a big deal. And remember, reference material is really nice because you may have photographic memory, but you may be short on film. Yep, yep, yep. You made that you made that point before. And I think that's good. I think it's good for people to think through because I've never heard and I'm not saying it's anything new, obviously it's not, but I've never heard people talk about that interaction of the the bugs in whatever area you're in with uh you know your your production of food in your garden I, i've just never heard people talk about that kind of stuff so i was kind of like uh the question here of okay what are, what are the wasps doing well they're eating some of the bad things that are or some of the those things that are bad for your garden but they're but god made them good for them for food that's 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 a tremendous that that's a tremendous thing that i again i guess there are many people who never even give that thought you plant something in the ground you expect it to grow and uh, you're not having to deal with all these other things. So that's, that's very interesting. Well, and that's why I want people to think of when we're talking about, um, you know, homesteading, when we're talking about this kind of stuff, that we really need to think of more of a permanent agriculture, permaculture. Um, we need to have more of a permanent agricultural kind of a feel. Um, you know, I think it was uh, Bill Morris, um, Permaculture Designer's Manual. It's kind of like the textbook on this. Um, I don't have to agree with everyone 100% on everything, but I think that he made a very good textbook to get people thinking the way that they need to. Um, and then you can look into permaculture. Permaculture is the idea that, David, um, can you hold, hold that, hold that thought, tell people real quickly where they can find out more about you and, and get your products. If you'd like to get, um, ancient pocket resins like this, that are the highest quality available. Um, you can go to the miraclesav.com. Okay. All right. Kind of cutting out there a little bit, and that might be because of the music. I, I was a little short on the time. You guys can pick that up. Use Sons of Liberty as a promo code, and you'll save 10%. The miraclesav.com. Hang on, and we're going to pick up Sons of Liberty Media.com. All right. I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And didn't mean to cut you off of there, but you had something you were going to say about uh, permaculture. Uh, and I didn't mean to cut you off in that. Well, that's perfectly fine. Um, so I want people to think about things in terms of permaculture. Because permaculture is how systems work together. Um, you know, when we're talking about anything from self-defense to gardening, anything, it's all about systems. It's about a systems approach. And when we want success, you know, the mind is the weapon. Everything else is supplemental. And we need to plan ahead for maximum success. And permaculture is taking, so instead of all of your plants and everything being 1,000% reliant on you, it is the idea of designing the system around maximum efficiency. So you're not, so you're going to have to water the least amount possible. And all the plants are feeding one another. They all play a role in the system. And you're trying to build soil. So by, you know, by getting a worm farm going, by 
getting uh, by getting animals and then taking that manure and composting it down and you know doing all these things you're building resources for the property to be able to use and expand gardens to be able to you know put in more fruit trees to be able to do all this okay all right yeah that makes sense and what about uh so when you mentioned elderberry and i know that was one of the things you said that's fairly easy to grow um, oh, yeah. We're wanting to do that as well. Uh, I was just noticing when we came in <clears throat> yesterday, I had to run some stuff up to the post office, but when we came in yesterday, I was noticing our blueberry bushes. Those things are great because you can just throw those out and those puppies will just multiply like crazy. They're like a bunch of rabbits back there. Uh, but and, and we're getting ready, I guess, to get some of those. Uh, here very soon, but um, they they real those are a really good thing. They're 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 really good for the body too. Um, but the elderberry is not only preventative, but it can be used also, you know, to for healing purposes as well. Yeah, you can. So you can use the elderberry, but the elderflower also is is amazing. That's actually I probably like the elderflower cordial. Um, you know, the elderflower tea. I probably like that better than the elderberry. Um, stuff that you've had. Now, I love elderberry jam. I've got some in the fridge that I'm working on right now. Um, I've got dried elderberries. We're going to be drying up a bunch this year. We might do some videos on that, um, processing them down and doing all that. It's a lot of work um, for the amount that we do. Um, now, if you want to learn, that's the book I was talking about earlier, The Backyard Apothecary. Okay. Devin Young. Um, and this, the reason I like this is it's got some very simple recipes in here and how to forage the stuff. And, you know, um, and by the way, I was talking about wild plantain when I was talking about plantain earlier. Okay. I was talking about plantain. Um, the, now let me find, and, uh, you know, purple cone flowers, another one that you can grow, um, that does not take, uh, that's not so that's not that hard to uh and here's a comfrey salve in here speaking of salves and everything comfrey salve um um the elder flower is something that you can also harvest the elderberry is super easy to grow um they they do really well and you can also grow some of them by your chickens and stuff and then those berries will fall the chickens will eat them and they get all the health benefits from those also. Um, so that's another thing that you can do. The, uh, as far as this book also goes into how to prepare the elderberry and everything, um, picking them, if you're going to do more than, oh, more than probably 12 to 15 plants, you're going to want to like set up a system for harvesting and everything. That's not hard. We can show how to build. Um, we built our own, um, harvesting equipment you know we use like pruning shears and some um some hardware cloth uh mesh to be able to um, get the berries off the stems okay so that's that's one thing and i can actually i'll send you some propagations um that's the other thing that you might want to that everyone wants to learn the reason i'm such a proponent of permaculture is so what if i told you that there was an easier way to propagate your blueberries and get rooted you can do what's called stool layer so you so here's where the layer of the the current root or the current roots are 
and you know how the branches will come off like this? Well, you take and you add soil or compost up here. And then what you do is you leave it there for a few months or whatever. You dig that back real carefully until there are roots forming. And then you can go in there and where the old soil line used to be, that's where you can go in and cut it. And then now you have rooted cuttings. It's called stool layering. This is another propagation, low cost um, propagation technique that's used all around the world. Not as common here in America as it used to be. Okay. Uh, that's easier than doing the whole taking the blueberries and spreading them over the paper towels and all that. Oh, yeah. No, we, I think what we did, what we ended up doing was we got some from my father up here and uh, just planted them and just like maybe that many, <laughs> you know, in the ground. And then over the course of several years, I mean, it's, yeah, it's huge. It's just a huge thing of blueberries there. And uh, so, you know, they would go out every morning picking those. And then, of course, we get the blueberry muffins and the jam and the cobblers and all that. Ah, yeah, I'm going to get hungry oh. talking about that. <laughs> Making me hungry already. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and you know, that's something else that should be said is that there are, uh, you know, currants, uh, grapes, muscadine grapes, um, all, all of those things, hops. Um, hops is another one. Um, this this is the book I was talking about earlier about medicinal tea. If there was only one book that I could um, that I could tell people about for tea, this would be it. It's the Good Living Guide to Medicinal Tea: Fifty Ways to Brew the Cure for What Ails You, Jennifer Brownie. Um, they not only tell you dosages for adults, they also talk about dosages for children, infants, that kind of thing. I think it's a wonderful book. It was like $7 for seven freaking dollars. Yeah. It's only like nine now. Oh yeah. So, I mean, like, look, there just aren't a lot of books that have dosage information on under two years old, Two to four years old, four to seven years old, seven to 12 years old. You know, how many books have that? And then not only do they, they tell you how to harvest each of these, uh, these amazing, um, you know, they've got the, I forgot what they call them, the 50 powerful plants index. So they got like 50 of them in here. Um, and you could grow all these and, you know, growing things like uh, roses just for the rose hips. That's something that you might want to look into. Um, you, the hops is something that I think most people don't want to put in the amount of time it takes to, to cultivate hops, you know, because harvesting them can be a pain. Um, well, let me ask you something about that, because the my only interaction with hops was in a a beer brewing kind of deal. What are what are hops used for other than that? Are you, they used for a poultice as well? Uh, no. So hops okay. traditionally use the flowers for antimicrobial effects. Uh -huh. and that's brewing. Okay. Um, they to make oils. That those oils were used for, as like a deodorant um, in inside of homemade deodorants. Um, they're they have a very mild anti-worm parasite effect, or I, I shouldn't say mild. I should say they're easy on the system, but they're very effective. Um, that the, actually that this book, White Whorehound and uh, Hops, you can use that. 
Give me one second. I will find the... And while you're looking, uh, we had somebody ask about, when you say the miracle salve, is there one of these that is specifically the miracle salve, or are you pointing at, at your, your products overall? The, the, the Super Pab Super salve. Pab. We've had a number of people who call it the miracle salve. That's why um, we've had for like, you know, five generations now, people have been calling it that. So um, here is for worms. Here's the the recipe for worms. Listen to this. So it's got hops flour and white whorehound leaf. And this is a very mild way to get rid of intestinal worms. Um, so that's one thing for hops. Hops also help deworm chickens and stuff, and chickens love hops flowers. Um, you can also use hops. Um, there, there's just a numerous uses for them in, in homemade cleaning products. Um, so you're saying so you're saying this can be used to deworm some of your some of the the animals that you've got going around in your in your yard your chickens or your whatever right people, people too people too huh or this is the recipe for people wow and then the the directions are combine dried herbs and steep in water cover for 10 to 15 minutes remove herbs from water sip tea slowly consume four servings of this day of this tea per day for two weeks. Interesting. Interesting. I, we can, we can save a lot of uh, money to another big pharma thing for pets uh, by deworming them this way. <laughs> that, I mean, this is just, it's, it's kind of interesting when you haven't really thought about something like that and you hear it. No, this is, this could be uh, the very, uh, very helpful and healthy way to deworm. Like, I mean, we've had to do this with cats. And so uh, this seems like a great thing. What about dysentery and stuff? You know, we used to have some goats, and the dysentery was a real problem there. Does that aid in any of that kind of stuff? Um, there are ways. So goats are probably one of my least favorite homestead animals because they're like the rebellious little teenagers that, like, just push your limits every day. They're like, oh, you fixed the fence, so I'm going to go break it somewhere else. Oh, you, uh, you, you didn't realize it, but I'm an escape artist. So I'm going to escape and make you worried about me for the next two or three days. <laughs> you know, it's all the, all the, I just not a big fan of goats, you know, but they do serve their purpose and they, they are an amazing asset to have on the homestead. Um, there, I know that I've talked to some, um, farmers who've used MMS before, I've talked to some farmers who've actually used black walnut, uh, black walnuts. They'll take them literally off the ground, just throw them in the water trough. And that gets rid of uh, worms, intestinal parasites and stuff like that. But um, a lot of guys will take apple cider, raw apple cider vinegar, put that into the trough with the, uh, the black walnut husks. And that's some amazing stuff right there. Um, Okay. That works very well. We, we've got a question now. This is a little bit off the subject, but uh, he says, what about making fuel out of plants? Now, we talked about fuel um, alternatives, I don't know, in the first series that we did. But what about making fuel out of plants? Is that is that really a good thing or not? Maybe, but 
how how much land do you have? How much? How many resources do you have to be able to turn that into ethanol? And then how long are your ethanol motors going to last? I think that there's a a better way to do it, and that would be taking HDPE, um, high density polyurethane. Uh, um, take that like milk jugs and things like that. You can take those, melt those down. You can go look into uh, taking, uh, turning, uh, you can go look that up on YouTube, turning um, milk jugs into diesel and gasoline. There's a whole distilleration process, but those are unleaded. They, they don't have ethanol added. So when you're able to process, and there's so much plastic out there in the world that, I, I think I think you would be good if you could find a resource to get a ton of plastic. Then you could keep all your stuff running. But that would be the way I would do it if if it was me. I, I don't know if I, I don't think I think you'd be better off with a gasifier or, or some other like solar power and batteries than you would making your own fuel because the amount of time, energy, effort. Um, you know, is the is the lemon worth the squeeze? And I would say in that particular case, it probably isn't because anyone who's run like ethanol fuels and chainsaws and small engines and things like that, which is mostly what you're going to be running. I don't care who you are. You're not going to be running these 200 horsepower tractors. Um, well, I think he was I think he was saying uh, use it in his truck, which has flex fuel. Our our van has that, too. It has that flex fuel. I only use regular gas, but uh, you can run that, that ethanol in there. But I, I but hear it's on, not really the best to be running in there, despite what they say. Yeah, I mean, it, if you could if you had a method to be able to run a bunch of or make a bunch of it. That might be, I just think that, you know, if you're doing it small scale, it's going to be so much time, energy, effort to be able to make a gallon of it that it's not going to be, because you're going to use up that gallon in an hour, you know, or less. So. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, just wanted to toss that out. Okay. So what else do we got going on in our garden for health and healing? So the next thing that I want to, I want you to think about is not so Everyone wants me to give them a list of what herbs, but I'm always adding things. You know, there's, there's only so much that you can add every year. What I would say is cayenne, mullein. Actually, this book probably covers most of the stuff that you want. I would say cayenne, mullein. Um, I would say any spices that you use for cooking on a regular basis. I would say lavender is very, very good. Um, you can use lavender. Um, you can burn lavender buds um, to do some aromatherapy. This was done in Spanish hospitals in the seven, yeah, 1700s, 16, 1700s, somewhere in there. And, uh, and by the way, Spanish hospitals at the turn of the century in, you know, in all over the Caribbean and places that, that they were, they have the, they had in the 1700s, they had the same survival rate that our hospitals have today. And they were using plants. So that's pretty amazing to me. Oh. Um, I would look into yarrow. I would look into comfrey. I would look into uh, purple coneflower, um, golden seal, um, you know, rosemary. Um, 
I would also look into like trees that have medicinal uses that like uh, pine trees, different, different types of pines and stuff like that. Um, you can kind of do your own research. This book does talk about that quite a bit more and it talks about different genuses and stuff like that. Um, there are so many herbs that we could get into that what I would do is I would kind of, I would go get your, yourself some books on it because there are so many that you can grow that it can be quite overwhelming. I would say that this is a great starting point if you're looking to get into uh, backyard medicine. And then if you're looking to get into the medicinal teas, this is the way to go. Um, I will say that peppermint, um, peppermint is one of those I use a lot during the winter. Um, bee balm. Um, there's here, I'll, I'll just go through. These are the fir, um, wild ginger, comfrey, um, self-heal, uh, violet, echinacea, yarrow, bee balm, Japanese knotweed, mullein, blackberry. Oh, by the way, blackberries and like uh, raspberries and stuff. The teas make amazing, uh, or I'm sorry, the leaves make amazing teas when they're properly dried. Um, dandelion, burdock, chickweed, milk thistle, hawthorn, mimosa, uh, motherwort, California poppy, mugwort, uh, red clover, black walnut, um, common yarrow, or common yard daisy, plantain, St. John's wort, wild rose. Uh, stinging nettle. Um, there's actually a lot of people make stinging nettle into uh, um, stinging nettle into liquid fertilizers. Also, uh, meadowsweet, cleavers, black cohosh, blue flag iris, cottonwood, jewelweed, marshmallow, uh, chamomile, lavender. Um, chamomile will grow in your driveway. Okay, if you're having problem growing chamomile, it's because you're putting too much effort in. It's a weed. Just let it take over. <laughs> if you can't, if you are, if you can't grow, come. It's like come monkey up. grass, isn't it? <laughs> let me let me ask you. We got a question here. What about nut trees, and do they play a role in that? And do you have a favorite? Um, I'm a pecan boy myself. For uh, for you yeah. guys up north, it's pecan. Yeah. Um. Although, although I love pecans, um, pecans, uh, you know, pecans, almonds, all these nuts are wonderful. Um, chestnuts, um, there's a number of different types. But you see, the thing is, the key to permaculture is diversity, so you don't have too much pest pressure. The problem is when you have mon monoculture, where you have a hundred different, or where you have a hundred apple trees all in a row, with no ground cover, no scent confusers, you see onions, things like that, that are strong and pungent. They create a scent confuse. Uh, they're, they're scent confusers because they cover up the smell of other things. So where you have monoculture, where you have a huge number of one type of plant, you're going to have more pest pressure. So I would say, yes, permaculture does tie into that. The cool thing is, is you can plant a nitrogen fixer and comfrey around the uh the fruit or nut tree that you're planting and that nitrogen fixer will feed that nut tree or um, fruit tree as it grows um i really like um almond trees i there's just something amazing about almond trees man 
um, almond trees. Uh, I like a lot of the rare and exotic fruits. Um, but where I am currently located, we are not growing jackfruit anytime soon. Um, Any guava? No guava. Where I, well, I mean, maybe they've got some cold, uh, cold hardy types of guava that I, I've looked into before, but I'm not going to. Um, you can grow cold hardy kiwis. That would be something else. Um, the, the thing is, is I, I think that, I think that as you study permaculture more and everything, you'll have a lot more solutions because, you know, it took me years to learn all this stuff. You're not going to learn it all in a, in an hour and a half conversation on a, on a radio show, but I can point you in the direction and I can answer questions and I can try to help you out as much as possible. That's why I'm here. Yep. Yep. David, do you got any final things that you want to leave people with today? And then uh, once you do that, uh, tell people again where they can find it. I went ahead and gave your number in the chat here for uh, Pruitt's Tree Resin, which you can find on the site by clicking the contact us at themiraclesav.com if you need to call in there. Uh, but the orders can be taken uh, through the website as well. But if you want to give some closing thoughts, maybe some other things that you want to add, and then if you want to tell people where they can find out about how they can get your products, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would like to make a couple of suggestions on other books. Um, if people are looking to get into this and they want to learn some, um, if they want to learn some tips, tricks, and um, other things, this is another inexpensive book. Man, I wish I would have had it years ago when I got into it. This is Growing Chinese Vegetables in Your Own Backyard. Um, and the reason I like this is you look up the variety of what you're trying to grow for the family, and it will go into depth on what you need to know, um, how to grow, how to harvest, and how to harvest the seeds, and the varieties and the culinary uses. That is very, very useful because there aren't, this is like the best book I found on the subject matter. Now, the next one I really need to recommend because, oh my goodness, man, this is one of those books that I wish you, you always wish that you would have found certain books when you were younger. Um, and this one I'm trying to find, I marked a specific page for this because I wanted to show. Uh, I think this is the one. I think this was one of the things that you and I talked about as men that we are going to hate when we leave the earth and leave all these books unread. <laughs> I, I actually, you know, what's funny is I, I will tell, I will give everyone a piece of life advice that a good friend of mine told me. And this is a, someone that I trust quite a bit. And they told me, and you'll notice, uh, I don't know if you guys could see it in this book, but I have started going through and I'm rereading many of my books. I'm rereading uh, many of them. And I'm going through and I'm highlighting things. I'm marking things and writing stuff in, in the uh, lines and everything. And, and I, What was your last book? What was the last book you held up with the, the cover? Uh, Heirloom Vegetable? Oh, the, yeah. Sorry about that. This is the one that I, I wanted to talk about. And the reason is they talk about this is uh, Heirloom Vegetable Gardening. I can't remember. By William Woes Weaver. 
four-time IACP cookbook award winner. But he's so, he not only does he tell you how to grow these things, like here's the asparagus pea, okay? So he's got a beautiful, got a beautiful photo and everything, a little write-up on it. And then he'll also tell you what, uh, what varieties, um, you know, what the hardiness zone is and what varieties he's had good luck with. So here's in the beans, and they've got he's got different varieties and write-ups on them and what he's found about the different varieties. So if you're looking to get into heirloom vegetable gardening and you're looking to save your own seeds and you want to find some interesting varieties, this is a wonderful resource to have. Okay. Absolutely wonderful resource. Okay? And then this this is one of those books you eat the meat, spit out the bones, you can learn a lot of good stuff. The Mother of News Almanac. This is the reprint, the old one. I, I have access to one of the old ones. Man, there's just a lot of good good down-to-earth country wisdom in here, okay? Now, the next thing is kind of controversial because um, some people hate this particular thing, but I find it very refreshing, and that is Farm Show Magazine. They also have books and stuff like that. You can uh, subscribe to this. And they've got a lot of do-it-yourself farm um, inventions, tractors, um, encyclopedia of made-it-myself ideas, great shop ideas. They've got all kinds of farm. I, I built a commercial fly trap from a plans in one of these. Um, wonderful farm show. This is like th this is better than any other magazine for the money you're going to spend. And they, they will send you free books. They do have all the books are available in print. Um, you know, great content. I, I have to say, I, I was skeptic at first, but I've learned a lot of cool stuff in there. <laughs> this book uh, was out of print for a while, but Tim actually found it in print again. And that is the Manual of Practical Homesteading. And this has a lot on gardening in it. Um, some wonderful stuff in it. I, I think that there's still a lot to be said about this book. Okay. Um, now, for those of you looking for for um, simple aquaponic gardening and everything, this is a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, talks about barrelponics, gives you some plans and everything like that. Okay. And then earlier we talked about uh, wood chip gardening and permaculture. This is something that you might want to have if you're going to use a lot of mulch, um, like a lot of wood chips and that kind of thing. Wood chip handbook. If you're in a place that you are going to have to water and you need to learn how to maximize the amount of, uh, if, if you're looking for a way to maximize your, uh, your water, and make it go as far as possible. This is a wonderful gardening with less water by David A. Bainbridge. Um, now he actually has uh, he has a what's the name of his? He's got a guide for desert and dryland restoration. So you might want to look into that also wonderful low cost uh and he's got many different techniques it's not just one so that's one thing that i love about this book is this book has paid for itself 10 times over 
Um, and then the permaculture, a designer's manual. Um, it's got a snake on the front of it, like eating its own tail. Um, and then this book is one of those books that I have to say I was very pleasantly surprised because it, it gave me kind of a hope for people who are on smaller pieces of property and everything because you just don't hear many books that talk about growing a lot of food or micro self-sufficiency or anything like that in in a in a realistic way because a lot of people you know they want to go move off grid or whatever um, they want to go buy 10,000 acres but they don't even know what it's like to take care of one acre so that's why I like permaculture because I maximize my efficiency to be able to take care of as much as possible and this book will maximize your efficiency to be able to think of things on a quarter of an acre and that is mini farming self-sufficiency on a quarter of an acre this is a wonderful wonderful book and the reason i like it is like for instance they've got the markham chicken the farm chicken plucker and they've got plans in here on how to build a chicken plucker wonderful photos um, just and they've got a parts list it's just a really really good book Lots of reference material. And if everybody is willing to wait just a few more seconds while Tim is talking, I will go get the last book that we're going to, or the last <laughs> couple of books. Yes. Okay. All right. That sounds good. All right. Well, I'll fill in the, the gap here till, till Dave gets back. Uh, Gail, I don't know that it's necessarily an order line. It's mostly customer service. But if you don't get somebody there, just leave a message. And um, and David and them will call you back. Just leave your number so they can call you back and uh, they'll get you squared away. They, they really will. They're great about that. Um, so call that number there for people who don't have it. It is 573-226-3039, 573-226-3039. Call. If you don't get anybody, leave a message and they'll give you a call back. Okay. And the 1-800 number is going to be 1-800-422-4716. Once again, that 1-800 number is 1-800-422-4716. And the reason I'm not answering the phone right now is I'm actually on live with Tim right now. So so this was actually a book that was a gift. And I was kind of skeptical about it. And it it is kind of pricey for what it is. But I thought that this was a great book just because it was great for planting ideas in people's heads. And we should all be more and more happy about getting more and more people growing their own food and doing their own thing. And that is the self-sufficient backyard. And you can see I've got quite a few uh, tabs in there. And I actually, the reason I liked this so much was they talk about a lot of things um, like gardening and uh, seed saving and stuff, and they have a very simple way of looking at it. I think it was it was pretty well written, um, and it's from people who've actually been there and done that a little bit. Um, I can tell by reading it that that they've done more than what they've let on, and I I think that it's a wonderful you know if you were if if you wanted to get someone interested um, in farming and or i would probably say one of these two books would be one of the two first ones i would get for someone if 
you're looking to get them into growing their own food or something, just to start. It's a very good starting place. And then being able to use that and then maybe the Jadam book to be able to make your own organic inputs or something like that. But there's a ton of knowledge and we we love our books, don't we, Tim? Yeah, we do. We do. And and like I said, we've had we had this conversation the other day uh because uh, boy I had to really kind of cut myself off some because I, I used to say one of the um the dis disappointments of this life will be all of the books that are left unread, even in my own house. Some of the books that are left unread, uh knowledge to be gained. And um and I think God has something in store for us. I think that's part of what eternity is, is not just learning more about the one who has made us and giving him glory for that, but that he will he will help us to understand those things that we haven't been under, been able to understand before. And I think it's going to, I'm really, there's an excitement that builds over that. It's kind of like you want to take a class because you're looking to do something with your life or something with your property or something like this. You're really excited to learn that and then excited to go home and practice it. I think that's a lot of what uh, being in the presence of God will be. It's, you know, they're at the feet of the one who has made you and who knows all things, disseminating that information to you uh, that you can use for his glory. I, you know, I don't know what all we're going to do. I know we're going to be praising him. That's that's pretty clear from Scripture. We've been doing that. But I have a feeling that he's going to be having us do things uh, for his glory. Even, you know, I mean, this is my speculation, even those things that he is uh, you know, prepared even our forefathers for from time, giving us that information of how of how these things work, understanding and really being in awe of who he is. You know, one of this is one of the things when you're talking about the permaculture issue and you're talking about all these bugs and how they work and then the things, you know, how they throw off the scent and everything. I mean, this is the way the creator designed it. And here we are thinking his thoughts after him, seeing seeing these things after he's done them. And I think it's a I think it's a place where we can we can honestly say hallelujah. We can say praise the Lord for for his goodness and all of these things and give him glory for that. Well, and I I think that that's the uh, I think that's the beautiful thing that I've seen about permaculture is that as as you start looking at things and stop overcomplicating it, start seeing the beauty that there is in the creation. I, I think that and as you start growing your own food and you, you see what what amazing gifts our heavenly father has, has gifted unto us. I, I, I don't think that you can fully comprehend what is going on in the Bible until you've grown your own food or until you've been exposed to it. And not only that, it's just like, you know, you can tell someone what it's like to be a parent all day long, but until they have a son or a daughter of their own, it really doesn't sink in. Amen. Yep. Yep, exactly right. David, and you I, want to leave people with a word of exhortation and point them back to your site? Yeah. So, um, you know, don't get overwhelmed. It can be very overwhelming at first. But um, just remember, you know, you start where you can. Start where you're at. You know, a journey begins with a single step. You have to make that step. You know, Tim and I can sit here and, you know, we can do the things, but we can't do them for you. Um, and we can teach you about them. We can share with you. Um, but you really have to take the initiative to go and do these things on your own. And if you would like to support what we do, um, you can go to our ministry website. That's themiraclesav.com. 
You can go, you can order uh, our tree resins there. You can order our humic and um, our gold standard kit to make your own humic and fulvic mineral solutions. Um, you can go on there. You can get whatever you'd like to so show support with us. Feel free to call us and talk to us. We'll share whatever we can with you. Okay. All right, David, we appreciate you very much. Always, what, I went off of there. Always getting up early and, uh, and, and being with us, and we appreciate that. Appreciate the information. A lot of people are saying that in the chat. Thank you for coming on and sharing that information. You know, uh, Mr. Wordsworth, I'm a lot like that, too. I've, I've had a lot of history books, theology, stuff like that, and I've got a few um, old kind of crafts books, how you do things the old way, and a couple of gardening books. My wife is bigger into that. But yeah, learning those things and, and uh, putting them into practice is a good thing. So all of these books, all of the information that we've talked about will be on there. Also, David is putting up um, a website called, uh, oh, oh, you got another one. Hang on. He's got another one he's showing. Well, this is a wonderful book. It's not as gardening related. This is like if one book could fit in my backpack and was waterproof, it'd probably be this one. And it's back to basics. And uh, it's from Reader's Digest. This is a first edition. But it talks about all the old-time pioneer skills. So that's something that you might want to look into. I'm talking about how to go and make a log cabin. How to, uh, you know, set up a mule. How to, you know, all the different tools, the names of them. Because if you can see the shape of the tool and you know a little bit about blacksmithing, you can actually make your own tools if you wanted to, if you were motivated to. Mm. Mm. Yeah, good. Uh, okay, I put that link in there. It's a little pricey. That thing's like 82 bucks <laughs> if you can get your hands on uh, it. I found it for a buck at a, at a thrift store. <laughs> wow. Wow, well, that's, inc that's incredible, man. That really is incredible. All right, David, hang on, and I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, catch Bradley at 3 p.m. today. Now, if you missed any of these books, I put the links in the um, in the chats, but usually, at least on Rumble, they go away once we end the stream. So um, they will be in the archive later today, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Gail says she'll give you a call here in just a little bit, David. Uh, she was wanting to make an order, and I, I think maybe she has some questions, too. So uh, she'll get in touch with you a little later on today. Guys, again, catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And David will be back on with us in the morning. We're going to cover another subject in this prepping issue in our series. And uh, don't forget, um, he's also putting it on. Now, I, I told him, I said, go ahead and use the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the shows that we've done. You can put that on. But he's going to be having some more stuff at operationpreparedness.com, operationpreparedness.com. And he's going to have some different things, short videos and things like that, that will be helpful to you in the coming days. I think he's already working on some of those things of how to do some of the stuff that he talks about. Uh, so you want to, want to keep an eye out on that, operationpreparedness.com. And again, we'll talk with David in the morning, bright and early, 6 a.m., Lord willing. See ya.